0: Hey, can you give it up for a great worship service, huh? Come on. You can do better than that. Come on now. Come on. All right. All right. Great, great stuff. Thanks for being here. Good to see you all out on a beautiful day, man. You all like this weather, huh? This is good. Anybody think it's too hot? Anybody think it's too hot? If you think it's too hot, meet me afterwards. Uh, right up here at the end of the service, we will uh, cast out demons from you. What do you mean it's too odd, man? This is beautiful. But thanks for being here. Thanks to our online community, uh, checking us out all over America in different places. We're honored and humbled that you're here and praying that you see something that changes your life. And we pray for you wherever you're at. And we're just glad you're all here. Thanks for our guests that are here. We're happy that you come uh, and being part of us. There is a, I'll tell you what, there's a card in front of you. And if you look at that card, it's got a little QR code. You can take a picture of it or you can uh, text a number there. It's got it on there. And that way for our guests, we can treat you to a nice gift tonight. We'd love to be able to share that with you. So go ahead and do that sometime and and that'll, uh, that'll help you out and show you how to take care of that. Now, before I teach couple of things I want to kind of bring you up to speed on in the life of the body here so you're up to speed on things that are happening that are important. Uh, this coming Tuesday is Pathway at 6 o'clock. So let me make this real simple for you, okay? Now, now, now check this out and pay, pay very close attention. If you've never been baptized by immersion, this is for you. That's why we have it, for you. If you're not a member of our church, and you're thinking, man, I think I'd like to be a member of that church, um, this night is for you. That's why we have it for you, okay? And if you'd like to be a, a volunteer in our church, we have hundreds of people who serve in different capacities, and you thought sometimes, man, I, what would it be like to be a part of that? This night? It's for you. Pathway is all about you. If you'd like to be a part of a smaller group of people here who get to know each other and become friends and hang out and grow in Christ and support each other, Pathway is for you. If you'd kind of like to understand the Bible a little bit more, kind of basic understanding of the Bible, Pathway is for you. So if any of those applied to you, and I know a lot of them did for a lot of you, that's why we have Pathway. So next Tuesday... 6 o'clock. Start out with a Taco Bell from the best cooks in southern Indiana. Free Taco Bell. We'll take care of your kiddos. Man, it's a date night written all over it. So we'd love to have you there. Make sure you register on our app, our website. Somehow register and come be a part of that. Now, the second thing I want to let you know this first time, we're going to let you know. A few other weeks, we'll, we'll kind of build it up as we get closer. Friday night, June 10 is our next night of worship here. We love nights of worship at Eastside. There's some of our highlights. And so summer night of worship on June 10, mark it down and get ready for it. Okay, let's dive into this. This this is one of my favorite weekends at Eastside. This weekend is one of my favorite because we're starting a new teaching series. You came on the perfect day Because we're kicking off a new teaching series at Eastside, and I love the start of new series. I love to preach all of them, but I love the first one. Most of you know, and if you're not aware of this, this will help you a little bit. We operate on a preaching calendar here and it starts in August of every year, and it kind of wraps around the end of the year, and then it goes through uh, July. Actually, it goes around September to around July and August, and so we kind of have a wraparound preaching schedule. And so as I look back to this season that we've had, this preaching season, there have been some series that we've had here that, man, I'm telling you, God just did some things, in our preaching series. I remember back in November, we did a series called Burned. And if you were here, you will remember some of that. If you're new and come along since then, I mean, it was just a a powerful time when we talked about how we react as Christians when people burn us, when they do something wrong. And that was some powerful stuff. I I love that series. I think the Done With Egypt series is one that we probably need to repeat Maybe every two or three years. Uh, we did that last January, and there, has, there is still some ripple effect as we think back of some of the things that came up with Done With Egypt. I, I don't know if I've ever been as proud of our church as when we worked through the Can I series recently. Man, those were tough topics, okay? Some of y'all told me, dude, those were tough We'll try preaching them and see how tough it is, okay? You just had to listen. So can I get a divorce? Can I drink alcohol? Can I choose my own sexuality? And we went through those. And to be honest, I went into them thinking there's about a 50-50 chance I'm going to need a job when this is over with. And I have never been as proud of a church, I think, than I was of you during that because your passion to know God's heart on tough controversial issues. I'm gonna tell you what, God will bless our church for that series. I believe it with every ounce that I have, I really do. So I've loved these series that we've done and we just came out of the GOAT the greatest of all time was Jesus. And I kind of went into that thinking that, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be all right. I had no idea what God would do in those seven weeks. It blew me away. Let me tell you something. I heard last week that there is an administrative office team in, in, in the employment of the University of Louisville football team. And so there's this team involved in their football team, kind of an administrative office type stuff. And they do training sessions once a month. And I found out that last month they used one of our GOAT series and they watched it in their training session. Isn't that awesome? Huh? That's incredible. Yes, that's incredible. I heard the University of Kentucky wanted to do the same thing. They just couldn't find anybody who knew how to turn the television on. So I couldn't get that in. I am joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I remember the score last year, 52-21. I was there. I know, I know, I know. Let's get over it. Okay, so here we are today. And I've told you all that so that you know the excitement that whoever gets to do this gets to feel. And I don't know if there's a way that what I'm sensing and feeling can somehow get into you in this service. But when we get a chance to kick off a new series, I just can't tell you what it feels like. It is such a great feeling. And today is no exception. Because we're jumping into this this study that we call little sticks of dynamite. And what in the world does that mean? And if you happen to see it on social media, you thought, what is that about? That's what we wanted you to think. What is that about? What in the world are we talking about? Well, this is one of those things that you're gonna see over the next several weeks that it's probably something that you would never, ever give attention to. Unless your church talked about it. And so we chose that we're gonna jump into this thing and it basically comes down to this. There are 66 books in the Bible, 66 different books. And I don't know if you ever knew this, but five of them, only five, only five of them have only one chapter. They're these tiny little fragments, these little nuggets hidden in your Bible that hardly ever get any press at all. In fact, there might be one or two that you've never even heard of. But dude, when you dive into them, they are dynamite. And you're going to find that out today as we jump into the first one in the bible that has only one chapter and it is the book called obadiah and my guess is you haven't been having devotions in the book of obadiah lately and so when you walk out of here in a few minutes and veteran east side people are saying When he says few minutes, that's a long few minutes. But when you walk out of here, you're gonna have an idea what this book is and you're gonna be saying, wow, I had no idea that was in the Bible. Now, in order to kind of wrestle through it, we've gotta start with a little bit of intellectual brain work. So you're gonna have to think with me uh, to get on the same page of this story. The very first book of, of uh, the Bible has one chapter, starts with this first verse that needs a little of attention. Let's look at it. The vision of Obadiah. And this is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. Now, there is so much in that verse right there that if you're like me, most of us look at that, we just kind of scoot right on by. But think about this. There's this guy named Obadiah who is the mouth of God. He is the messenger of God. He's a prophet. He is God's preacher to communicate God's word. And apparently, when Obadiah sat down to write this, God had something to say to Edom. And if I pass out a little paper around here and said, everybody write on a piece of paper, who is Edom? Most of them have no idea in the world who Edom is. But once you find out who Edom is, your mind will go, wow. Now, you gotta be history buff. And if you're not a history buff, uh, you're probably gonna zone out here in the next few minutes, but don't let that happen to you, okay? If you're sitting with somebody next to you who's not a history buff, and they start to zone out, just go ahead in the name of Jesus, Slap them, do whatever you gotta do, because you can't zone out on this. This is incredibly important to know in order to understand Edom. So watch this. Everybody in the room, everybody here, we are together under one thing, and that's the thing or the person that got all this started, all of this together. Everything we're doing came from a man by the name of Abraham. The Bible calls him the father of our faith. That's where it all started. Now, Abraham had a son named Isaac, And you might remember the story, if you're a Bible person, about the story where God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, because God wanted to know, Abraham, am I more important even than your own kids? And Abraham passed the test, and God let Isaac live. Many of you know that story. And then Isaac has a set of twin sons. Somebody say, Lord, help him. Lord, help him. We got Esau and Jacob, and that's... (laughs) that's where the action started. Because if you look at both of these boys, you can follow their timeline. Now don't lose me, I know we're talking history, but don't lose this. Let me talk to you first of all about Jacob's timeline. What happens down this line? Jacob has 12 sons. And those 12 sons together develop and form the nation of Israel. And those 12 sometimes are called the 12 patriarchs. Sometimes they're called the 12 tribes of Israel. Many of you have heard about that. And so now we have Israel. We have God's nation showing up in this lineage. From Israel, we get Jesus. And Jesus shows up from a tribe of Judah, one of those 12 tribes, Judah, and Jesus comes onto to the earth. And from the moment of Jesus' life to this moment right here, all of that gap of time, anybody who says, I want to be identified with Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, I'm grateful for what Jesus did for me on the cross, Jesus and all of those people combined together to be known as the church. That's you and that's me. Now watch, don't don't miss this, or everything I say over the next three hours won't make sense. So, okay, so somebody's still with me. Aren't you? It won't be three hours, not even close. Okay, maybe a couple. So Jesus to the church and Jesus is gonna come back again, and you know that, and he's gonna take us to heaven where we will live eternally, forever and ever and ever and ever. Now watch this, This it's so cool. If you're in this room and you identify with Jesus, this is your line right here. And it all came from Jacob. Now, let's go over to Esau. Esau, the other twin, His descendants came together and formed a different nation. And that nation was known as Edom. And so if you want to know what is Edom, who is Edom, Edom was a nation that was started by the descendants of Esau. Now here's what you got to know historically. Hang with me. We're almost done with the history lesson. Edom and Israel all throughout history of the Old Testament were arch enemies. They hated each other. Edom especially hated Israel. Now it's interesting that Edom, after several hundred years of existence, Edom is then attacked by a country known as the Nabataeans. And the Nabataeans come into Edom and they basically took their land away. It's very similar to what Russia is trying to do with Ukraine. And the Nabataeans come in and Edom is gone and all the Edomites migrate south and they start kind of a new country and a new land known as put it up there Edomiah. Now look at this. You see some similarities there and that's per- purposeful. Edom, Edomiah. Edomia then is still adamantly opposed to this lineage. Edomia fights against everything in this lineage. In fact, one of the most famous citizens of Edomia historically. You remember the story where Jesus is born and then when he's about two, Herod gets all bent out of shape and Herod is gonna attack and kill all the children. Remember that? I'm gonna kill all the kids two years and younger. Did you know that Herod was from Idumea? He was an Edomian citizen. And it's not long after Herod does that with all the boys that Rome gets on this crazy attack syndrome in 70 A.D. and they start taking possession of land and destroying people and countries and they destroy the city of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 and they destroyed everybody around them and one of the countries they destroyed was Idumea and Edomia was gone. I want you to listen to this. From that point on in AD 70, we never see another descendant of Esau in the history of humanity. The line is gone. Now, once you understand the history of all that, now you're ready to jump into the book of Obadiah because the first verse says, God has something to say to Edom. And there's a lot of different ways we can do this. We can, we can open up the book of, uh, of Obadiah. It's one chapter, got 21 verses. And we can meticulously dive into every verse and find out what it's about. And that's a really great way to do it, but that's not what we're gonna do. We're gonna look from 40,000 feet We're just going to kind of sum it up. We're going to take one chapter and we're going to say, this is kind of what it's about. This is what God wanted to say to Edom. And if if I had to put it into one sentence that God wanted to communicate to this nation, it would be something like this. Hey, Edom, you are as dumb as a rock. And that is the message of the book of Obadiah. That God wanted to communicate something to this country and I think you're smart enough to know that that is in the Bible, not because God wanted to communicate something to Edom and he wanted us to know the problem he had with his nation. That's not why it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible so that people like you and me learn from it and don't repeat their dumbness. Now, once you understand all that, you then find yourself asking, well, what what was so dumb about them? What did they do that was dumb? And as an example, I'd like to let you know about Edom really making a dumb trade. And if you're smart, you'll never make that trade. Now, Now, watch what happens here. This is why I told you the history. This is why this is so important, and get ready, because this is one of them things where we're gonna get up under your grill and we're gonna mess with you, okay? Tell the person next to you about to sleep, wake up dude, he's about to nail you, okay? We're gonna get down here. Now now watch this. Do you remember that lineage of Jacob and all that stuff? you remember all that that we talked about? All that good stuff, church, Jesus, live forever, all that great heritage, all that good stuff? Listen, twins Esau and Jacob, Esau was the oldest. He was the firstborn. He was the first out. Is that kind of gross to say? But y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. And so, because he was the oldest son, here's what that meant that all of the glory, all of the inheritance, everything that Isaac had to give, remember the lineage? It belonged to Esau. And how come Jacob got it? Because one day, Jacob was home, and he's cooking up some stew. And his twin brother Esau comes in. He's out playing with the bears and the snakes and all the stuff because he liked the outdoors. And he came in, and he smelled what his brother was cooking. And he said, whoa, baby, give me some of that. And Jacob says, I'll trade you some of it. What do you want to trade me? And so Jacob says, if you give me your birthright, if you give me the inheritance, if you give me the line, then I'll give you some stew. And Esau says, dude, that is years away, man. I don't care about that. I'm hungry. Give me some stew. And it is in that one moment, that one dumb decision, that one critical, erroneous trade that Esau's destiny was changed forever. Somebody say as if Esau's standing in front of right now, just look at him and say, dummy, say that to him, dummy. Sometimes you can make a trade that is so dumb And I want you to think about that a little bit because I'd like to ask if you have ever traded what God can do in your life or what God wants to do in your family's life or in the lives of people around you, have you ever traded all of that for a stinking bowl of soup? See, there's all kinds of soup, man. Your soup might be your job. And you devote all you have to your job, and because of that, you're probably really good at it, and you probably really like it, and you probably make some good money, and you probably have people who praise you for it. And that's just your thing, man. But because that's such a thing for you, you've traded time and energy for your spouse and your kids, and you ended up trading your family for work. You traded it for a bowl of soup, man. No one on their deathbed has ever said, man, I wish I'd have spent more time at the office. You know what? Your soup might be repetitive, poor choices. It might be giving in to sinful temptations. Have you learned yet? I have. You can do something in one minute that will change forever. Anybody know? And you might be one of those people, as we all do, who maybe there are certain choices that you might make in a split moment or certain temptations you find yourself falling to and you're trading your future for a bowl of soup at that point. Wayne Smith said, you know the road you're on, you know where you're heading, are you going to be happy when you get there? The only thing you got out of it was a stinking bowl of soup. And there's a lot of people who go around life like that. And they think back to the time when I made that dumb trade, man, of everything God can do in my life, I traded it for this, and this is all I got. Now I'm gonna sound like the grumpy old preacher man, but why don't you listen to me, parents? Among your highest God-given responsibilities, is to introduce your kids to Jesus and have them in church where that relationship with Jesus will be developed. That is among your highest (laughs) responsibilities that God has given you, and here's what we know. This isn't what we think, this isn't what we make up, this is what we know. That if you don't have that settled by the time they're 18, and surveys are starting to suggest that it happens as early sometimes as 12, that if you haven't settled that when your kids are young, you are making it increasingly unlikely that they will ever have that relationship with the only one who can get them to heaven. Now let me ask you this. Are you trading that? And just giving them bowls of soup. He said, the reality is you open up the book of Obadiah and right out of the very first verse when God says, hey, I want to talk something to Edom. And you think, why Edom? Because Esau treated all this. Don't ever let that happen to you. And that's just verse one. See what I mean about three hours, huh? Now, interesting enough, from that point on, you start to see that his dumbness was even bigger than that. It wasn't just a a dumb trade that he made, but he jumped into a dumb fight, okay? Have you ever heard this, that before you fight somebody, you better think about who you're gonna fight, huh? Okay, you ever hear somebody say, you done picked on the wrong cowboy now, okay? If you're gonna get in a fight, you better be very careful about who you get in a fight with. And I wanna suggest that Edom didn't think about that. That Edom fought against Israel for all of history. You can read in the Bible battle after battle after battle where Edom was picking a fight with Israel was fighting with Israel over and over and over. Remember when Israel left Egypt? They went through the sea, God parts it. Remember when Charlton Heston put his hand out? It just got out? Remember that, okay? And they get on the other side, and they ask permission. A million Jews were heading to the promised land. We got to go through Edom. They got a hold of the king of Edom. Can we truck right on through your country? We're heading over there. The king said, you stay out of my country. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you stay out of my, we got to go all the way. Edom was always picking fights. One of the greatest historical battles Israel ever had historically is when Babylon came and destroyed Israel in in, uh, the 6th century B.C. And when Babylon took off the fight and they were going to go get Israel, you know what happened? Edom got a hold of Babylon and said, can we be a part of it? Can we be a part of it? And over and over, Edom just kept picking fights with Israel, with God's people. And I want to suggest to you that they did not realize who they were picking a fight with. And so right in the heart of this book, Obadiah reminds Edom, here's all the things you did that you should not have done. Let me read them to you. Starting in 13, 14 verse, you got this breakdown. You eat them. you should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster. You've been doing that? You shouldn't do that. Check out the next one. Nor look down on them in their calamity in the day of their disaster. When they're having a rough time and you're laughing at them. Ha ha, I'm glad it happened to you. Next verse. Nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster, robbing from the people of God. Go on. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives. You shouldn't do that. You've been doing that. Nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble go after the people who made it through the battles you shouldn't do that notice what he says over and over and over is you've been coming after Israel and you shouldn't do that that's a dumb fight here's why because you didn't realize now hang with me don't miss this that the people of God fight back did anybody hear that you To know Edom, that the people of God are not wimps. We're not meek people who sit around and let evil attack us and do what it ever wants to do. We do not operate that way. And so I want to play it on that and I want to talk to you about that and I want you to hear me. As the people of God, we will always have enemies who attack our beliefs. Do you work at some place where they just make fun of you because of things you believe as a Christian? As the people of God, we will always have enemies who attack our way of living, who see us as a threat to their humanistic views. That is always going to happen. What Edom did to Israel is what will always happen to the people of God. And we are seeing that today at a level that we have never seen before in the history of our lifetime. When we stand on God's truth, we are ridiculed, we are attacked, they will cancel you like that. You go out and tell somebody God's view on abortion and see what happens to you. You go out there somewhere and you talk about God's view on sexuality and you see what they say about you. You go to work or you go to school or you go somewhere in the marketplace and you talk about a thing called absolute truth, that there are things that are always right and things that are always wrong. You go do that and see what they say about you. Those things happen to our church at Eastside in ways that you will never know about. And I don't tell you because it scares you to death. But those people don't realize The fight they're getting into. Because God has called his people to never back down. God has called his people to never apologize for the truth. Can anybody say amen to that? I want you to hear me on this. At a time when our humanistic, secular world is pushing the envelope farther than we have ever seen in all of our life, now is not the time for the people of God to be silent. We are to be kind, we are to be loving, but we are never to be silent. Because here's what we'd say to Edom. You don't know who you've been picking on. And the church is being called to be that type of a place more than at any time in the history of our lives. You didn't realize the fight you're in. I've got a little thing somebody gave me a long time ago and I have sought and sought and sought where this came from and I, I'd love to credit somebody for writing this. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who wrote it. I've read it two or three times in sermons when it applied and when I was writing this message, I thought, man, it applies again. So let me, let me read it to you and you'll see what I mean because basically what it's saying is you better be careful who you want to fight against because the people of God So let me read it. I keep it on my desk on days when people beat me up. Satan? Somebody say Satan. Satan, Satan, listen up. Listen now, listen long and listen well. We are the church of the living God. If at any point you want to yell amen, knock your lights out, okay? We are bought with blood charged with power, married to Jesus, indwelt with his spirit, immune from destruction and destined for victory. Satan, we will not fear your foolish foibles. We will not run from your roaring, fold under your fire, be scared by your subtleties, be derailed by your deceptions, lulled by your lies, or scared by your subtlety. Because we're part of the company of the committed, the crowd of the covenant, the congregation of the courageous, the crew of the commissioned. We're a fellowship of the faithful. We are the battalion of believers, the regiment of the redeemed, the division of the devoted, the army of the approved, the team of the trumpet, the lot of the lords, the platoon of the powerful, vestige of victorious. I love this. We're not here. <laughs> We're not here to dread the war, Satan. Plan the war, study the war, evaluate the war, discuss the war. Dog on it, we came to win the war. Satan, the clock is running out for you. We await our rapture, your rupture. Our consummation, your condemnation. Our reign, your ruin. Our victory, your vacancy. Our success, your sorrow. And you can summon all all your hosts, but you will lose this battle. For he that is within us is greater than he that is in the world. We're the church of the living God. Bloodwashed, spear-filled, battle-scarred, unrelenting, indestructible, and the gates of hell will never, ever, ever, ever prevail against us. Yeah. Now, watch this, watch this. Here, here's why I love this. Here's why I love this. Because that's what God told Edom. You better be careful who you fight against, because the people of God will not put up with it. You remember our lines? So on the line of Jacob, what did it end up with? Eternally living in heaven. What happened on the line of Esau in Edom? Extinction. Church. Show some backbone. Somebody said, come on show some backbone. Edom is really dumb because they got involved in a bad fight, man. They didn't think about it. But all of that sets up, we haven't even talked about the book of Obadiah yet. All of that sets up the greatest dumbness that they had. And I call it, for my purpose of understanding is, is a really dumb assumption that they made. See, they assumed you could attack the people of God and get away with it. They assumed they could attack the people of God and God would sit back and let it happen. And all through history, Edom is making that assumption. We can deny you coming through our country. We can jump on with Babylon and we can destroy you. We can make fun of you when things go bad for you. And they all assumed the whole time that God is going to sit back and let that happen. That's a terrible assumption because the rest of the book is one statement after another of God saying to Edom, this is what I'm going to do to you. Because you came after my people. Let me show them to you. I think some of them are funny. Look at this first one. I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. You think you're somebody? Next verse. I will bring you down, declares the Lord. This is my new favorite verse in the whole Bible. Oh, what a disaster awaits you. Your warriors will be terrified in the ninth verse. You will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. Remember, extinction As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. And then check this out. It's the culmination of it all. There will be no survivors from the house of Esau. The Lord has spoken. Wow. What is Obadiah about? It is God saying, you better leave my people alone. Did you know that was in the Bible? Now, let me, let me twist a corner for you here and kind of drop a mic on something because then it gives a whole new light of what this book is all about. And I want you to hear this very carefully. Right now, here's what you're thinking. If you've paid attention at all, if you haven't dozed off yet, right now what you're thinking is all the evil, ungodly people in the world and Satan and all his cronies and those ugly looking nasty birds on our cross, they better watch it because God will not put up with them. And there's a part of that that's true, but that's not what this book is talking about. Listen. Listen. Esau was family. Esau was the twin brother of Jacob. What God was saying is that I am adamantly opposed. Don't miss this. I am adamantly opposed when my people, attack my people. He wasn't talking about those who are not a part of our team. That's not what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about all the movement of Satan who opposes everything that belongs to God. He was talking about the people of God who get bent out of shape With the people of God. And so think about that. Just begin to play that in your mind. Have you ever been a disgruntled church member? That church doesn't know what they're talking about. Those elders make the worst decisions in the whole world. That preacher's the most boring person I've ever listened to in my whole doggone life. And every one of those things might be right, but the Father takes offense at them. Have you ever compared your church to another church, huh? Oh, man, our music is so much better than their music. You ever been there? Oh, it's terrible. You come here, baby, it's happening. I visited there one time. Nobody said hello to me at all. I come here, I got a dozen of eyes before I ever sit down. Ain't got nothing going on at all like we got it going on. Did you know that other church belongs to the Father? You ever been hurt by church? Have you ever had people in the church hurt you in a way that they should have never hurt you. And now that that grudge and that hurt has grown into a cancer into your spirit. No one called me when I got sick. Youth pastor called out my kid, he didn't say anything to their their kid when I needed help. Nobody stepped up, all those years of service, not one time did anybody ever thank me. And there's a few of you in this room right now that know, you know this, that is a hole that when you fall into, It is extremely difficult to get out. God said to his people, me and you, you better leave my people alone. You know what that means? Is that once that's understood in the book of Obadiah, and what I've shared with you right now is about three-fourths of the book, The three-fourths of that one little stick of dynamite chapter. And this is kind of what it's about. God says, "Do, do not, do not mess with my people. And then the last part of the book, the last three, four, five verses, it goes back and starts talking about the line of Jacob. And God tells Edom, I want to tell you something about the line of Jacob. And here's what God says. I have their back. I got their back. And when anybody attacks them, when anybody comes after them, I'm going to be there. I'm going to take care of them. He tells Edom, You might hate Israel, but I got Israel's back. They're going to be okay. They're going to be fine. That is a principle that carries on historically. God says to everybody who opposes him and his people, my church is going to be fine. My children are going to be okay. And you know why? Because the Father always has your back. He always has your back. And so you can see it even in the heart of Jesus. And I want you to hear this, and I just want you to go home with that, knowing that if you're attacked by the people of God, if you're in a church that gets attacked by other people of God, that God has our back. I just want you to think about this. So Jesus is... Just right ready to head up, man. He is, he's done, okay? He's done his thing. He's been on the cross. He's alive. He's told everybody. He is ready to go, man. I'm going home. And right before he takes off, he gets his closest people around him. And many of you know what he said to him. Check this out. He said, I want you to go make disciples of all nations baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teach them everything I've commanded you. Here's what he's saying. Go rock it out, man. Go into the world, get as many people as you can to believe in me, stand for me, represent me, be who you're supposed to be in me. Just go make a difference in this world. He says that and he just starts going up. Now here's how I envision it, okay? I don't know if the Bible really says this, but this is kind of how I say it. He starts going up and everyone's like, oh man, he's leaving and we're gonna go rock it out. It gets about 30 feet up. And he stops. And he moves his arm a little different way and he comes back down. He says, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you something. And he says this, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I got your back. I got your back. And so here's what you can do when you get in your car in a few minutes. You can choose to be dumb or you can choose to be defended. And I like the latter. How about you? Father, I thank you for places in your word that we didn't have any idea it was in there. And I thank you for the encouragement as a child of God That you're always going to be with us. You're going to stand with us. You're going to fight for us. And we will not have to face any of that ever, ever alone. I want to thank you for that powerful message from your servant Obadiah. But Lord, here's where I struggle. Here's where we all struggle. Don't let us back down on the fight. Don't let us be weak. Don't let us be timid. Teach us to stand for you with kindness and sensitivity and love, but don't let us do it with a weak backbone. And I pray that today in the name of Jesus. Amen.